And the current situation with our most recent update is that Van Rienen does remain close to traffic, and traffic is being directed off the N3 at the Colenso Fair Interchange, that's northbound traffic. Um, but in the interim, recovery operations have commenced on the path, and we are in the process of moving the vehicles so that we can clear the roadway and get it reopened as quickly as possible. So what does that process entail, Tanya, and how many trucks would you say uh, were involved in today's blockade? Um, the exact number is unconfirmed at this stage, but what the process does entail is that for the most part, we will either attempt to get the drivers themselves to hand over the keys or to move the vehicles if possible, if at all possible. And where that's not possible, then recovery vehicles, the towing companies have to come in and tow those heavy vehicles off the road. So I'd imagine that not only being a tedious exercise, but also a costly one if uh, tow trucks have to come in to move those vehicles off the road. Um, Once that happens, how do the owners or the truck drivers then recover their vehicles? Um, Well, unfortunately, I can't comment on that part of the process because that happens in conjunction with the Road Traffic Inspectorate and South African Police Services. Um, What I did want to say, though, is I think the cost to the economy is significantly bigger right now. It certainly is, and this is why Mm. this is of concern, Thania, uh, because it's not the first time. Am I correct that this is the second time this week that this has happened? It's the second time that truck drivers have located the N3, yes. It's, not, uh, for, well, fortunately, not on Van Rien's path. Um, but yes, it is the second occurrence of blockade on the N3 toll route. And I know, um, you know, the focus right now is where the blockade is at Van Rienen's Pass. But earlier, um, officials also said that uh, there was some problems or the Tugela Plaza had also been affected and was closed uh, to northbound traffic. Are you aware of that and uh, whether that is still the case? Yes. Um, well, the situation is that Tugela Toll Plaza, because of its location at the foot of the Van Rienen Pass, is the reason why the plaza has been closed to northbound traffic. It's part of the law enforcement efforts to ensure that they uh, limit the amount of traffic that's headed up the pass, especially because the pass is closed. And so all that that would contribute to is uh, you know, an increase in the backlog of traffic because the traffic is currently stacked and motorists have no options around you know, around the scene. So that is why the Tequila Plaza was closed, not because there were any issues at the plaza itself. And and, and that is the other question in terms of the flow of traffic right now, Thania. Um, is there any movement on the N3 either way at this stage beyond Van Rienen and uh, the Tugela Plaza? Well, there's definitely been a lot of movement on the N3, and especially with it being the start of the possible long weekend with most people taking off tomorrow. Um, we've we've seen some increased traffic volumes, both north and southbound, um, you know, and, and there are alternatives around Van Rienen, which a lot of road users tend to be opting to do so. Um, but it, there I would advise them to please make sure that they check on the state of those routes and use their GPSs to ensure that they don't deviate off, uh, you know, proper routes and and also, again, that they check that the state of the road is, is conducive to them driving on it. You know, there have been reports of some of the alternatives not being in suitable conditions for heavy vehicles, for example, um, and, and or light motor vehicles as well. So it's really important for road user safety that they check that first. Where at all possible, we would advise that they rather delay their travel. 
Tanya, thanks so much. And that was uh, Tanya Dugra, and uh, she's with uh, the N3 Toll Concession, the operations manager there. And as you heard, if at all possible, uh, rather postpone your trip because, uh, as she said, you need to actually do your homework, do the due diligence before you take the alternative routes uh, because some of them are in a terrible condition as well. All right, uh, we are joined on the line now by Chief Executive Officer at Road Freight Association, Gavin Kelly, to take this further. Gavin, good afternoon and thanks for speaking to us. Good afternoon, Sakina. Good afternoon to your listeners as well. It's my pleasure. Second time in two, uh, uh, this week on the N3. And, of course, yesterday we spoke about um, a blockade on the N12 uh, in the northwest province. So uh, talk to us. What's your association's, your association's reaction to all of that's happening, Gavin? Well, Sakina, you know, just the blockage on the N3, and there's a whole lot of routes, the N2, the N11, the N17, the R74, the R59, you name them. They are across the country, the length and breadth of the country. But the N3 is the busiest route from one of the biggest ports of South Africa into the hinterland of Africa. There are a lot of our neighbours who rely on an efficient, safe and steady flow of vehicles through the N3 and all the way up to White Bridge and going north. And we just cannot, we cannot tolerate this anymore. Because, again, what this means is that we are demonstrating to the world that we can't sort out problems, and these problems have been around for a good five years already, this, this protesting about foreign drivers has been with us for a long time. The only good piece of news in what's happening in the last few days is that I haven't received any reports of anybody being seriously injured through grievous bodily assault, and of course nobody's died yet, and, and that's the only light in the tunnel. I don't want to lose a single driver, and I'm sure nobody else wants to that it's affecting not only the flow of the vehicles through that, through that route, but it's going to damage us as a country. The ships are just basically going to say, we're not going to come to South Africa because we forever stand and wait at the ports, and we're going to go somewhere else. And that trade and that employment and that revenue will leave us forever. Gavin, you know, I feel like we've had this conversation before. It's a kind of a deja vu moment here because, uh, you know, you said exactly the same things to me the last time we spoke about uh, that situation on the N3. Bar the fact, of course, that um, this time around, as you say, thankfully, nobody's been hurt, nobody's been killed. But just in terms of the how we are actually affected you speak about the ports and the delivery, but maybe we should just unpack it a little bit more. When it comes to the delivery of goods, what sort of goods are we talking about here right now? And what and who is likely to be most severely affected? Well, Sakina, I think the one thing we must remember is that this route isn't just an export-import route. It's, a, it's an important part of the route. Definitely no argument to that. But the N3 primarily serves the whole country. So it travels through a number of provinces and a number of regional roads link onto the N3. And definitely in the KZN area, in the Mpumalanga area, there are lots of agricultural industries or agricultural freight that moves onto the N3. So it would come off the farms. It would come off 
where there is first-level production, if you'd like to call that. So we're talking about food here. We're talking about vegetables, meat. We're talking about milk. And we're talking about anything else that would be produced on a farm or in a mine as the first level. So wool, there would be some ore coming on there, and sugar cane, you name it. This is being stopped. So it has that first impact on those producers who now can't get their goods to where they need to go. And some of those goods are very, very time sensitive. So once you harvest or they become ripe, if, it, if you would want to use that term, and they need to be harvested, harvested. So that's the first effect. And we can kill businesses. We will kill businesses if farmers, small farmers and big farmers cannot get their crops off the ground to the production or the manufacturing centers on time. Then there's the second level. There, if there are some goods that have been, been processed or manufactured into a different state, so for example, let's say these would be going to places that would package it and the type of packaging that you would find in your retail stores, whether it's frozen or it's thinned. So that's not happening. So it's not just import and export. It's the actual lifeblood of the economy. It's the whole system of the economy. And it's going to be clothing. It's going to be shoes. It's going to be automotive parts. You name it. They're just fuel. It just cannot get between the various centers because they are being held up. So, Gavin, um, how many of your members' trucks are among those being used in the blockade? How many of our members' trucks are being used in the blockade? I'm not quite sure about that. I'm sure we'll get the details as we go on. Um, And this is one of the worrying things is that there seem to be a fair amount of drivers who are not the foreign drivers and, and these are not unemployed people who seem to either be willingly participating in this or being intimidated at such a rate that they cannot do anything. But exactly how many of our members are involved, I don't know. This morning, at the start, they were at least already on either side of the two blockages. There were already more than 350 vehicles on either side at the top and the bottom. So it shows you we're probably sitting with a good 2,000 vehicles right now that are stuck just because four or five vehicles on either side have been drawn across the roadway and closed it. Gavin, what happens if the drivers continue to use these trucks to block the roads? Because we spoke to um, one of the uh, associations on Tuesday, and uh, basically what they said was that nobody's going to take a truck from them, and they will hold out until such time that government addresses the issue of uh, the hiring of foreign nationals. That's an interesting statement, Sakina, because these guys have been known to take trucks by force and, and have shown in the past that they have not hesitated to use brutal force and even kill people. So it's, it's very, very strange that that association, wherever they might be, are going to demand that their truck drivers fight back and, and don't release. And one of the things we're always concerned about are our employees. And we've always said that, you know, where their life is in danger, they must, they must think about themselves and their families. So that's rather a strange statement. What needs to happen is that we need to very, very clearly identify which vehicles were involved and find out where those drivers are and what role they played in this. But more importantly, 
more importantly, SATs needed to have cleared this as soon as possible. They have the powers to clear those roads and to make sure that those roads are protected from this sort of activity. So, Gavin, have you engaged the truck drivers of late? Uh, and, and, you know, what are they saying? What is government saying at this point? Because, as you pointed out, at least for the last five years, we've been here over and over again. Well, once again, this is a, we are led to believe, and let's, let's follow that, that argument right now, we are led to believe that this is about foreigners taking jobs away from local South African drivers. So, Akina, let's walk down that route, and let's accept right now that this is the only reason why this has happened. So if we accept that, and that is the cause, then how do you address it? Quite simple. And we've made those proposals years ago. The various departments who are the root solution to addressing these causes and removing these from the reality of what's happening on the ground have not yet done what they need to do. We hear, we hear that there's going to be a system in process by the end of the year when one of the causes for what we see that special permit that's given to, to in, in not just to Zimbabweans, but to a lot of people, that special so-called asylum permit will no longer be valid. We have yet to see, as the largest representative employer in the logistics and freight industry, we employ more than 53% of the people in the industry, we have yet to see a system or the system or the process that the Department of Home Affairs is going to put in place to replace these visas or to bring in place a system that will be able to identify and help these people to get whatever they need to get or clear direction in terms of whether they need to leave the country or not. We can't have that happening on the 30th of December this year when this system or when these, these permits are become null and void on the 31st of December. So it's very much, very much a process that the various departments of employment and labor, the Department of Home Affairs, and the Department of Transport need to apply to make sure that the employers, so the transport companies, are compliant with the laws of the country. We've been telling them that for four years. We've given them proposals of how to do this, but they continue to listen to non-representative associations and associations that, quite frankly, the ATDF have pointed fingers at as being the culprits of employing these illegal, undocumented foreigners in the industry. Well, Gavin, we are wrapping this up now. So at this point, uh, cost of this particular blockade, uh, at least over this last week, have you been able to crunch some numbers at this point? We have. We've already got to just over 300 million. And that's in terms of penalties and delays and in terms of revenue being lost. This is, again, going to quickly, quickly come close to a billion rand. And there are lots of companies out there, Sakina, lots of them, who cannot afford this. They, they've been hit so many times. And, you know, 88% of our members are SMMEs. They're not huge corporates. They don't have these huge bundles and stashes of cash, and I'm not saying corporates do, but specifically the little ones don't have that sort of financial uh, backup to pull them through this. And again, 
We're going to see our future of transport closing down quietly and going away. Gavin Kelly, we're going to have to leave it there, but thanks so much for speaking to us on this Youth Day, uh, Chief Executive Officer at the Road Freight Association, uh, Gavin Kelly.